because I'm not here to fix what is. I'm here to package the whole person so that they see themselves differently and they don't focus on that one piece of negativity. Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. For years, my next guest has been staying away from the limelight. Well, that's all going to change because today you're going to get the opportunity to meet Meryl Gabe, one of the biggest quote-unquote unknowns in the fashion and stylist industry. For those not familiar, a fashion stylist role is as diverse and creative as they come with the crucial responsibility of putting together cohesive and desirable visual identities. As you can imagine, not an easy one. Along comes Meryl. Merrill was an integral player in one of the biggest changes in retail fashion marketing for some of the highest regarded titans in fashion, Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren. Maybe you heard of them. During our conversation, we discuss how she achieved this pinnacle of success. Merrill shares with us her work experience and how she evolved into becoming a highly sought after stylish and fashion consultant. Her approach to business and growth is quite unique, especially in the days of social media. Meryl brings to the table a wonderful take on relationships and the importance of really knowing your clients. This podcast is full of fantastic takeaways and so much more than just Meryl's excellent pointers on style and fashion. I'll stop talking now so you can hear our podcast for yourself. Enjoy my conversation with Meryl Gebe. Meryl, I am so excited to have you here. We just met, but I've known you for years, whether you know it or not. I agree with you. I believe there's no coincidences in life. We met for a reason. Yeah. Meryl, to get everybody up to speed, her husband, I came home one time after having an awesome dinner with a a mutual friend by the name of Adam Heber, great guy. And Adam, if you're listening, one day you're going to be on here, my friend. So anyways, I had a great dinner with my good friend, Adam, and he brings a surprise guest. Don't know who this guy is. We'll just call him Jack because that's his name. And uh, really uh, just had a fun dinner. I'm like very unassuming. And through the course of the conversation, getting to know him, I'm like, who are you? This is really interesting, just sweet person. Getting through the course of getting to know him, uh, he is amazing. Turns out to be your husband. And uh, I knew that you were going to be amazing, if not more amazing. Sorry, Jack, but I might have upgraded here. So... Meryl was kind enough after a conversation to come over, spend the day with me, and uh, engage me in this conversation. And everyone that's listening is going to benefit. Really fascinating background, done some really cool things that we're going to learn about around the fashion world. Uh, Meryl, how would you describe yourself? A young entrepreneur who's very old right now. (laughs) (laughs) Can you elaborate on that? I started in the fashion industry from, I would have to say, when I was about three. My grandparents were Eastern European tailors, and they would create these beautiful coats and hats for me every year. And I was hooked. I was hooked, and I would wait to see what they would make for me the following year. And I just adored being dressed up like a doll and parading my wares wherever my parents took me, either to the ballet or the opera or wherever it was. I felt like a million dollars and started very young. And what did that do? Fast forward into your career. Talk about your career for a second. 
when I graduated school, I ended up starting to work for Calvin Klein menswear. And uh, this was very new for the industry to have a designer designing strictly for menswear. And in the menswear arena, Calvin had designed um, a pair of jeans and came out with the campaign, Nothing Gets Between Me and My Calvins. So in those days, the jean industry, they didn't have too many choices for women. It was mostly Levi's menswear and men's jeans. And Calvin came out with this sexy jean and it was just the rage. Everybody loved it. And I was working for Calvin at the time. And it was uh, how I started in the fashion industry. Awesome. And how long did you stay with him? About five years. And what, what prompted the change? Carrie Donovan, who was the editor-in-chief for the New York Times magazine, had said to me, you know, there's a man named Ralph Lauren, and he wants to get into the jean business. Would you like to meet him? And I said, no, I'm really happy working with Calvin. She says, Merrill, I really think you should go meet him. And that's how I made the switch. Wow. And what did that switch turn into? Well, then I worked with Ralph for many years. He wanted to get into the jeans business because it was very lucrative. So everybody can understand who we're listening to right now, what she's done, and the impact that you've had on fashion. It's tremendous. Uh, I'm betting that almost everybody that's listening to this has probably worn a clothing that you had something to do with. Fair statement? That's a fair statement. I would have to say you're right about that. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. Ralph had the dream that he wanted to open up a store within a store. And during that time, basically, I was involved with helping him open the stores within a store. And it was a very exciting time because that real estate had never been asked for in a department store. And Ralph came up with the concept that we'll fill the store, we'll help you build the store, we'll support the advertising that takes to drive clients to the store, and then we'll send different people to oversee the opening of those stores. He basically created the store model concept that almost every brand uses today because if you go into Bloomingdale's and if you're any kind of brand, you really want part of the real estate of the store. If it's Bergdorf Goodman or Bloomingdale's or Saks, And that is basically the model that was created. At the time, we weren't uh, major corporations answering to shareholders. So it was always entrepreneurial. It was always, let's create this uh, idea. I worked with him in the Western wear when it was working with Stetson for Stetson hats or Lucchese for Lucchese boots. We had the opportunity to work directly with all these creative artisans and uh, it was a wonderful time and it helped people actually establish a style that was authentic to themselves. Now you don't see that as much because it's more mainstream. And as a stylist, I think uh, people still want to be their authentic selves. Yeah, I would agree. So what would you say is your gift? You've got a bunch of them, but if you had an overarching gift, what would you say that is? And how is that? How have you applied that to life? I think one of my gifts is the ability to listen. I think that everybody has a vision of themselves that they want to basically present to the world. And you could be the smartest person, but 97% of your first impression is nonverbal. 
And so what I've been able to do is meet all these interesting people in my life, if it's famous artists or it's people that want to get a date or... We're going to get into some of those stories, by the yes, way. Yes, yeah. well, <laughs> gladly. Right. But um, the gift is to basically listen and then say, okay, I can help you find your authentic self. And do you have any stories in particular that jump out at you in terms of finding, helping someone find their authentic self? So if I could, before answering that, fast forward, what Merrill is doing now is working with all different types of individuals, men and women, from what I understand, uh, of all different ages. And you really essentially help them, if I can kind of paraphrase and correct me if I'm wrong, really help them find their true identity in terms of their look and presentation. And not only are you doing that, but you're doing that in the, the highest potential, if you will. Is that a fair assessment? That's, that's a fair assessment. Okay, cool. So tell us about some of the people that you've worked with. And you don't have to say the names because we know that a lot of them are household names. Some of the experiences that you've had in transforming some of these people. Well, I've been able to work with a lot of interesting people, famous artists that don't want... Um, to share the knowledge that I've helped them dress for many events that they've attended. I've worked for individuals that are very successful at work, but trying to find the girl or guy of their dreams. I now work with a lot of families that I've known, helping them with weddings because I've known the mother and now I know the, the daughter. So I do a lot of weddings. And it's also being able to help people that come out of, let's say, graduate school, that they have all these credentials, but now they have uh, been given an opportunity to have an internship at a very established company and they have to dress the part, become part of the culture and have the confidence and hope that they'll be asked to join the firm after the internship is over. Those are just some of the kind of people I'm working with these days. And all different ages, right? All, all di different ages. Correct, yeah. All right. And then Oh, speaking of ages, I'm also working with a lot of people that have either become widowed or divorced that are looking to go back into dating and how are they going to feel about themselves going back into the dating world. Sure. I think for me also is that I've also dressed maybe earlier than a lot of other people. I've been able to dress women of color, men of color. It was never, I can't work with a particular body type. Um, I've worked with a lot of people that have lost weight and they need to see their bodies differently. So through my experiences, I can tap into many different cultures, backgrounds, and uh, needs differently than I think the average stylist. Sounds like it's an experience what someone's going through with you. It is. We become friends. I think that what differentiates me is the trust factor because I understand what their goals are, but I also know learn a little bit about their history, and then I can, from that, there's a sensitivity of what they're trying to accomplish. You could be the richest person, the poorest person. If you're not comfortable or don't believe you belong in that garment, you're not going to shine. Hmm. So walk me through what an experience is like. So say, you know, <laughs> someone like myself who's got a lot of work ahead of them, what would you do? How would you, someone approaches you, say they know you because you're like totally under the radar and someone's got to really know you to get to you. But let's assume that someone does know how to get in touch with you. They've got the right connections. 
what happens? I call you. Is it? I, I, so I reach out to you. I say, hey, hey, Meryl, there's, <laughs> I got a challenge for you. Bring it on. How would that work? You sound like everybody else. They okay. always say the same thing. I have a challenge for you. So it's interesting that you said that because everybody that I meet always starts in negativity. And it's been an amazing journey to hear how much negativity somebody is willing to share with you before you really even know them. And it's fascinating when somebody will say to me, I don't like this about myself or I'm too short or my legs are this. It's an endless list. And from that conversation, I have to say to myself, okay, what is it that they do like? And what can I focus on? And what can I adjust so that they will see themselves differently? Because I'm not here to fix what is. I'm here to package the whole person so that they see themselves differently and they don't focus on that one piece of negativity. So you're accentuating the positivity. Only the positive. Gotcha. All right. Good stuff. So I call you up. uh, You've gotten me out of my negative. Mindset's changing a little bit. Then what? Is it a consultation where you talk first? It's a, you know, let's go, let's meet, let's size you up. Let's go through your closet. It's, it's, Usually I'll say, how much money do you have to spend? All right. And so that puts them off guard because what happens is that's really the bottom line. Yep. You can, uh, depending on what my budget is, then I know where I'm beginning. Then I'll say to them, okay, for that amount of money, what is it that you want? And then they'll give me a checklist. And then I'll say, well, to myself, this will take you just so far because I know product. I know product from Soho to Bergdorf's. I walk and I touch and I go to Europe and I I know product. So I know prices and I know that what I'm going to be able to accomplish for that person. And then I help them pick their priorities. Gotcha. And then we're talking everything down to their skivvies or we're talking, is there? Usually for women, we have to start at the skivvies because without the proper foundation, I can't get the garments to fit properly. And fascinatingly, um, most women are wearing the improper bra or underwear and the lumps and the bumps need to be placed in the proper places. And it's the same for men. Starting with the proper foundation pieces makes a big difference of how garments fit. You're kidding me. Okay, who would have thunk? (laughs) So you start there. I have to know different bra brands, different underwear brands. Spanx doesn't cure all. I know the girls (laughs) at Spanx. I like them and respect them very much, but it's not the cure-all. Wow. I didn't realize it's, I mean, you're really that finite. Yes. With, yeah. So, okay. The devil's in the details. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've had the conversation, you understand the budget. Now you're getting the, the foundation for understanding of the physical being. How much of the physical being and the personality, where's the, where do they intermingle when it comes to putting together the look? Well, I think a lot of times people will make the mistake. They'll go shopping with a friend. It looks good on the friend, so they'll buy it. So they'll have a lot of money spent with items in their closet that they won't ever use. Now, is this girl or guy? Are you relate is what you're addressing? Well, both? with the guys, it's usually the girlfriend. Gotcha. And they broke up and now the girlfriend might have known what she was doing or might not have known what she was mm-hmm. doing. So we have to kind of start from scratch. I think that the other thing is that people learn not to spend so much money shopping. I believe that you have to, it's wonderful, the experience of shopping, but if you spend all the money and then you have all these pieces that don't go together, 
you just have a lot of pieces that don't go together. Hmm. And so you're going with a purpose of like an, an ensemble, I guess is the no, right. Actually, it's basically I've known most of my clients I've known for so many years that it's basically sharing the knowledge of how to build a wardrobe, because you have a foundation piece. You have a dress, and then all of a sudden they have an event the following year, and I'll say, well, you don't need another dress. Maybe we should just add a jacket to it or change up your shoe. So what happens is you're learning. I give you the tools of how to stop shopping and how to invest in pieces that are going to look timeless that you can really enjoy. And what does this do for people? Once you've dressed them, now what? Like, can you really polish a pig or what's that saying? You can't... Oh. Uh, <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, yeah. but I've been getting a lot of referrals for guys. And right now I'm three for three. They wanted to meet the girl. They wanted to move up the ladder at work and they've met the girl. I'm no longer in the picture because the girlfriend has taken <laughs> yeah. over. And sometimes that's, you know, I feel rejected, but, um, I understand they've gotten up the ladder as well. And so I think when I sprinkle my fairy dust and I've done my good deed and they're happy and they accomplish their goals, then I feel really good about what I've done. How important is dressing well and playing the part? I think, sadly, like anything else, life is a game. And if that's part of the game that you have to play to get in the doors that you want to get in, Play the game, and then your accomplishments will speak for themselves. But again, it's always going to be ready to meet somebody, and you'll have the confidence that you, you're going to be comfortable. You're never going to be comparing yourself to somebody else in the room because you're going to have your brains, and then you're going to have your look that you're comfortable with. But presentation still counts for a lot, no matter what field you're in. Yeah. So you've had to have established some pretty significant relationships along the way. I mean, the success, as good as you are, you had to have some relationship skills uh, to complement them, no? I think uh, the ability to listen has been one of the tools that I think I'm gifted with. Yeah. And, and you're a connector. And I like to connect. So when you get to meet somebody, you hear about what they want to do. And I've dressed people in completely different fields, many multiple fields, and I'll take their card and information, create a little file. And then somebody else will come into my path. And I always remember what one person's looking for. And then I'll say, well, you know what, let me introduce you to this person. So even that becomes the secondary hmm. tier to what I do. So you, you kind of become staples in people's lives. I too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and how often are you in touch with some of these people today? Is it seasonal? Like, oh, hey, we just uh, put together an outfit for the summer. You know, and here comes the winter. Or is it maybe you might hear in a couple of years from them? It's, or is it? You know what? I've been doing it for so long. It's so random that somebody will be cleaning their closet and say, you know, I just thought about you. I just wore something we bought 10 years ago and it still looks fabulous. Or... My daughter is wearing it now because vintage is in mm -hmm. and you're connected. You're in that person's life. Yeah. Um, if it turns out that the experience meant something to them, you become a good memory in their life. Yeah. Do you have any experiences where it just doesn't work out? Have you had to deal with some of, diff whether it's a difficult person that you're working with or they're... No. 
No. It's an interesting story. Um, when I was about five years old, my grandparents decided to add a pair of pants. They decided to make me a coat and a pair of velvet pants instead of just a hat. And the pant inside the seam irritated my legs. And when I took the pants off, they were raw. And I was didn't want to tell my mother because I didn't want to hurt my grandfather and grandmother's feelings because I knew this was labor of love. So my mother told my grandfather, and he ended up sewing in like this, I guess, a basting tape, something really soft, and I was able to wear the pants for as long as they fit. And it was an interesting lesson because it taught me that you can every problem can be solved, especially when it comes to a garment. There's never really been a situation that was negative because when the person starts the negativity, I look at it as, I think I can help this person solve that problem. So it's funny. I picked up on just through our conversation this afternoon over lunch that being another, I think, skill that you have, and I'd love to get your take if, if this is something that you're cognizant of or not. You know, when you're spending time with somebody and you're helping them with their look, there's some psychological stuff going on, whether I don't know if that's just a maternal instinct that you have or where you're interpreting the other, per, you know, things about the other person and then giving feedback, whether subtle or not, that can just kind of help them and see them along through life. Does that happen? Have you had that experience? Is- I think it most probably is that maternal instinct. My grandmother used to say I had that when I was very little. I can put myself in somebody else's shoes. I don't have to look like them. I don't have to be built like them. But when I get to know them, I can all of a sudden hear their voice and put myself, what does it feel like to be them? And then I can recognize what I can do to help them to be their most authentic self. Give me an example. Like when we were reading, you're like, oh, is your saying, I forgot what you said, but <laughs> you said that there were certain words that I was using that made you help. I don't know if it was interpret or understand. Do you remember? Is that? I that? do. Do you yeah. want me to share this? Uh, you know, I asked you to be candid, so uh, I'd be a, a hypocrite if I said no. So. Oh, interesting. As long as it's positive. It's positive. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. We don't know each other, yeah. so that's why I wanted to yeah. ask. Yep. Um, you would use the word like. And you reference it in terms of your daughters. You have two beautiful daughters. You showed me a picture. And I heard that and I said to myself, what is it about himself that he might not like, that he's afraid they're going to see that they might not like? Now, you can edit this out if I've crossed no, the no, line. No, no, no. Keep going. This, is, we gotta, this has to be, you know, go for it. So when I hear things like that, I say to myself, well, there's something coming across in our conversation. Then I try to get to know the person a little bit more. And usually there's something that comes out that I can now figure out how to apply it to making themselves more confident and never doubting themselves again in that category. Wow. So you're able to interpret that, not necessarily for me, but just for your clients. Okay. And then from there, that will help you to pick out and really, how? give me an example. Okay. How so? Yeah. So sorry. what happened was, yeah. um, a perfect example was I had a client who felt she had to show her father that she was put together because every time she would see her dad, he would say something critical. And what ended up happening is after we worked together, he stopped saying anything critical. We left no room 
for him. So it was not only her confidence, it was the fact that she was comfortable and she looked terrific. So there was no room for that dialogue any longer. Hmm. And what did that do for her relationship? Do you know or just... I think your dad for a woman is your first mirror. I think it made her more confident with dating other men. And I think it just helped seal her own confidence that you don't need somebody else's approval to really be true to yourself and like yourself and have your own sense of style and and look like a million dollars. Apologies for interrupting this conversation, especially if you're really enjoying it. I know that I get frustrated when I'm listening to a good podcast, so I'll make it quick. If you're enjoying our podcast, please support us on patreon.com slash networkwise. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. Okay, that was painless. So all you have to do now is help us on Patreon and enjoy the remainder of the show. What kind of transformational uh, experiences have you had with people? Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not style so much as proportion. And once you understand how your body works and what proportions look well on you, they transform themselves because they're no longer buying something that's a trend or something that their friend tells them to buy. They can look in the mirror and say, you know what? It's nice, but it's not for me. And so that becomes trans- transformational no, transformational for them. And then it becomes when I get the call or a text that they've done this all on their own, then it becomes transformal. Transformative. Now, I can, neither of us can say That's it. That's <laughs> it. Then it becomes, it makes me feel good. How aware are people usually? Like I have no self-awareness when it comes to what I think would look good versus what looks. My wife will look at me and say, what, you're going to go out like that? Most people in really? America don't. Okay. In Europe, for some reason, I think kids are brought up to be, maybe they don't have as many choices. It's just, an, we have so much to choose from. Most people are not aware. Hmm. Where? Where do they go wrong? In uh, your opinion, I think is it? The, it's, it's the proportion. Proportion. In, Meaning, in, explain that. Uh, okay. In Europe, you'll always have a good tailor. A tailor can take something that is too big on you or needs to be tapered or show your waist and transform the garment to fit your body. Here, we just buy product, but it doesn't always fit the body, so it doesn't flatter the body. And so here we buy- It makes buy, that much of a difference. Yeah. I have people that I've worked with for years. And people meaning the tailors, tailors, or people, oh, wow, tailors. Okay. it tailors, a good tailor. I don't can even know there were tailors anymore. <laughs> it shows how often I get tailored. <laughs> wow. A good tailor. You know, I used to go to Milan and I would take um, uh, different clients would meet me in Milan for many years. And we would go before fashion week and we would go from place to place to go shopping. And in those days, um, many of the designers weren't in America and it was just these one-of-a-kind, spectacular pieces. And there was always a tailor in the store. And that made a world of difference. And each one of those garments um, held the test of time because the fabrications are so beautiful. So many times if somebody will call me and say, you know, I have this beautiful jacket, what can I do? I say, well, let me take a look. I'll take out the shoulder pad. I'll take it to the tailor. We'll 
narrow the body of it. But the fabrics are so extraordinary that once we do the tailoring, it becomes a whole new garment. Hmm. How often then when you're working with someone, can you almost work with their own wardrobe? A lot of times, a lot of people have bought beautiful things, garments, but they don't know how to put them together. Mm. They buy just a beautiful jacket or a beautiful pair of shoes, but it doesn't have the scale. The proportions are not matching the pant. So what I'll do in clients like that, I'll come and I'll show them how we can take your existing clothes and this shirt will update it, you know, with what you have in your wardrobe. Let me tell you what we, how we can tweak what you already own. And then normally they'll want to add one or two pieces to that. And we could go that way. Yeah. I, I'm open to do whatever. But to stand in someone's closet that hasn't spent a lot of money on clothes and to stand there and throw everything away, I don't believe in that. Hmm. Because they're never going to wear those pieces again once they've invested in new pieces that fit better. Do you have to spend a lot of money in order to look good? No, you don't have to spend a lot of money, but you need the basic core pieces that should really be better quality. Yeah. Give me an example. Again, speak to the layman. Like for a man, what would be some of the core pieces that they need to have in their wardrobe right now? Okay. A man definitely needs a shirt that fits his body. Many times I'll show up and they'll have a jacket that fits the body, but then they're buying these shirts that are not tapered to their body. So they're, they have these, all this extra fabric floating around. You're describing <laughs> and, my wardrobe right yeah, now. Well, <laughs> yeah. And so what happens is yeah. it's completely out of scale. It's completely out of scale. If your pants are too short or your shoes don't blend, it's very hard to like, where do I begin? So usually if I have a sport jacket that fits, then I know that I have to find shirts that fit. And it's all about scale. And a man, it depends on the size of the collar. And then it depends on what size tie you're going to buy. And do you know how to knot the tie so that it fits the collar? If it's, And also it depends on your height. And many guys can make themselves look shorter than they should. Or many guys look wider than they should. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of wow. Yeah, I'm sure on the men's (laughs) side. All right, well, what about the women? Where do women go wrong most of the time? It's the same problem. Really? Yeah, because if you're wearing the wrong shoe, you can look like you're on stilts. And then everything that goes up from there is totally out of proportion. Well, let me ask you this. How many people are seeing, I mean, granted your lens is a lot more finite than most people, but how, where is the balance between maybe the lens that you're seeing versus, you know, I'm on the other end of the lens. Like where, like how many people are really, you think are cognizant, whether consciously or subconsciously of what you're describing? I think everybody. I think when somebody walks into a room and looks better than you, you know it right away. It's like digital brain. You're uh, trying to assess what is it that they're doing and you recognize the brands that they're wearing, but why does it look better on them when I might own the same thing in my closet? What did they do differently? And that's the difference to the girl that has style and understands her body and her proportions versus another girl that is buying it because she loves it, but she doesn't have the other pieces to put together with it. So that's really funny. I'll tell you a pretty funny story. Dropped my kids off at school a week or two ago. It doesn't matter when. And um, one of the mothers was out dropping another their kids off also. 
And my daughter turns to and says, oh, she's wearing the same dress as mommy has. And my other daughter turns to it and says, yes, but she doesn't look as good as mommy. That's really interesting. And she wasn't saying it. I'm sure she was partial to my wife, but it was a flowing conversation where it's highlighting exactly what you're talking about. And there so that's it really is. interesting. So. I don't have to say anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and how old was you, that daughter? First one who acknowledged it was 12 and the one that picked up on that was nine. Okay. So she has the eye already. There it is. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So there. that's interesting. What are some of the biggest challenges that you run into? As far as... Whether it's working with someone, is it their budget? Is it working with them because it's a tough personality? Is it they're not ready to change? Is it that they're... I'm just thinking as we're talking, it's almost reminding me of the the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, I think is what the name of the show. Um, Those guys were brilliant. Yeah. It, just think about it. They were gay men that were telling women that they're beautiful. I love that show. Yeah. And they started with foundation pieces. They yeah. understood it. Yeah. And then they put you on a billboard... And had you look at yourself, whatever shape they were wearing, and look at you and see see how beautiful you are. Well, actually, you know, it's funny. Speaking of that show, on the other side of that wall, the person who used to do the makeup for them lived there. But oh, uh, So why do you think that show didn't, uh, why it stopped? I can't answer that. Yeah, okay. I wonder if curiosity. I, know I, th- a lot I of think people, people, I think people yeah. like to watch the Housewives of Beverly oh, Hills <laughs> killing themselves, <laughs> then seeing the positive. I think maybe they were just too positive. Wow. You yeah, know, I think we live that, in a yeah. society where negativity thrives. Wow. You know, tweeting, you don't look good. Or, you know, today you have a comment about everything and everybody. And So do you then think that makes people more cognizant of what they're wearing and more inclined to maybe utilize your services? Or you're thinking maybe people just, you know, they're off the, they went off the deep end. I think it's gone both ways. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear that people say, I'll never look good enough, or I'm afraid to change, or I just want to fade into the woodwork. And then there's other ones that will follow other people's accounts on Instagram and say, I want to look just like her and know that they can. So that's self-defeating. And then there's clients that come and are confident enough to know I need help and um, this is my budget. What can you do? Or this is my need. And how can we work together? What are your thoughts on some of the trends today? I don't follow the trends. Gotcha. I, I think that when you follow a trend, you want to know what the trends are. But most people can't afford just to buy clothes to follow a trend. Yeah. Because when the trends change, it doesn't have any staying power. How long do trends usually last? No, they're changing so quickly today. Oh, really? Okay. So I it's, think, it's like, I think yeah. trends change because they want to sell product. Okay. It's all about the bottom line. It's all oh. about the bottom line. Wow. So who are the people that are engaging you? Is it is it the job seeker? Is it? I mean, I know you're covering everybody, but do you see a certain clientele more often than not? Like the executive looking to get to the next level. The... It, it keeps changing. Yeah. It really keeps changing with what people are scaling down. A lot of my older clients are scaling down. They're not attending the galas as mm-hmm. much. They're changing their lifestyle. The younger uh, generation wants more of an experience, a uh, social experience. So they don't want to invest a ton of money in clothes, mm-hmm. but they still need to look a certain way and they still need to be able to leave work and then know that they can look like 
somebody wants to meet them at a bar. They don't want to always look like a banker or yeah. <laughs> they, they need to have everything in a, in a little mini suitcase that they can just fly away and still look great. Wow. So if you were sitting in my seat right now interviewing you, what would you be asking? Anything in particular that you'd want to know? What am I missing? Again, because I'm not a fashion guy. Oh, let me ask you this. When you come across other people that do what you do and that work with other people, what is it that you talk about? I don't really talk to too many people about this part of my life. It's usually somebody will say, did you know that she does this? I don't try to sell or this part of myself. I think normally somebody will say to me, I like what you're wearing or that's very beautiful or and then just in passing, I will say, you know, I work in fashion. I've got to assume I, that people I really then... want to learn more about the person I'm speaking to. I don't really think that I'm that interesting to share uh, my experience. I would rather learn more about what they're doing. And if I think it's an appropriate moment, I'll tell them what I do. But I think that what people are looking for today more than ever is someone to listen to them and help them network and get where they're going. And after doing this for as long as I've been doing, I have quite the network. And I like to share my network. Yeah. Does your network reciprocate? Do they get it? My network? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think everybody's been successful. They're very grateful that somebody's willing to share. I think you need to share. Yeah. I think you need to share your tailor and you need to share your hairdresser and it, it's good to share. Yeah. yeah. Like, Tell me some stories of people that you've introduced connections and you don't have to say names. We can hold off on names, but are there any, anything that comes to mind in terms of, like you said, you might've been working with someone who is uh, I don't know, a model, but at the same, on the other end, you had maybe worked with someone before who was a producer And you said, oh, well, maybe you guys should get to know each other. Do you have any of those? Uh, I had a client who needed a job, and I introduced her to another client of mine. And he hired her, and he trained her. And today she has her own company, and she's incredibly successful. Wow. So (laughs) those kind of stories are very random, but I have many of those stories where... I'm capable of making those kind of networking connections. Yeah. How did you get into this? There are so many women. What you're doing is probably their dream. Was this something, was it your dream? Was it something that you did that people just kind of came to you and this just kind of, it happened? Well, I started as a store model Mm -hmm. and I think it was Hollywood. I just loved old movies. I thought that movie stars were the greatest I don't know what it was. I have no idea. I just know I was hooked on old movies. I would walk around my house, you know, trying to walk like them or (laughs) inspired to be them. I also am very tactile. So beautiful fabrics and silks and wools. And I just needed to see. And I also was very curious about how things were made. So I always admired uh, the technical um, aspect of how things were made. It was something garments were, I would turn them inside out. I would. So was it though that people saw the way that you looked and how you carried yourself? And then they're like, hey, Meryl, how did you do that? Is that kind of the evolution of what this has turned into? Yes. Yes. Very humbly. That was the evolution. I started to sew. 
it wasn't something that anybody did. My hippie wardrobe was over the top, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> just whatever we could do, whatever it was, if I did it, everybody followed it. It was the strangest experience, but you basically set a trend, not even knowing you were setting a trend. Huh. And then how did it become a business? Because at a certain point, I'm sure you first started just helping people. And then well, you're like, wow, I start, my time is... I started in wholesale. I started gotcha. in wholesale. Okay. And then people saw the way I was dressed and said, I would like to look like that. And I would say, okay, give me five minutes. Or literally, um, when I would work in, um, when I would travel around the country, if we had run out of something, I would say, here, take mine. I would literally take it off and say, here, you buy it. And, <laughs> and then I would put on something else and they would walk away with my clothes. Wow. That's a good one. Literally giving the shirt off your back. Yes. I literally gave (laughs) the shirt off my back on more than one occasion. Wow. So I think you have to have a sense of humor in this business also. Yeah, I would assume so. For any of the people that might be listening that want to do what you do, is there a pathway to doing that? To getting into oh, this? I think there's so many people that are styling now that do what I do. Mm-hmm. But I also like to follow all the young stylists. And I always say to myself, hmm, but I've done that. I don't know. I think I could do that a little better. Yeah. Could have done it a little edgier. I think it takes a lot of control to edit. Hmm. And I think that you never want the clothes to wear the woman. You want the woman to wear the clothes. I still believe in that. I think it makes a big difference. It's got to be fun. So you have this imprint that you're putting, you know, you did it first with Ralph, you know, doing, uh, you know, in terms of the clothes that people are wearing. And now you're doing it on the individual, helping them find their own Ralph or whatever it is, whatever designer it is that they're using. That's and pretty- there's a lot of young, really young underground ta- talented designers. And I love to be able to like pick up some of their pieces. How do you find them? I just keep scouting. I but, but, but where I mean, is it Milan you're going to, or where are you no, finding these people? No, here in New people? York. I'm okay. here, I'm really uh, looking to work with young designers. There are certain stores down in Soho that carry unknown brands. Some are from Europe, some are from America, and if I see an item that I know is just beautiful, I want to be able to use that item. So I'll call a client and say, "This is on hold. You really should look at this." And they will. And inevitably, they'll always say the same thing. How did you know this was going to fit me? Or it's perfect for me. That was my question. There it is. I think the other gift is maybe a photographic ability Mm -hmm. to see something. I know all my clients' bodies. Literally. (laughs) They used to give me their charge card and they would say, here, just buy whatever you want. But when I would go to Milan, they literally gave me their charge cards and I would just come home and they would go, how did you know? So I don't know how I knew, but I know. So there are people that you have now that you're kind of like, a, for lack of a better term, a scout. For and if somebody hires me, normally what I'll do is I scout before we go out. Everything that I know, if I'm working with um, a man, let's say, um, time is of the essence. So it's hmm. basically I do all the scouting. I pull and everybody knows me. So they'll hold it, will come down and then he'll put it on and. I just sit there and go, check, check, done, <laughs> done. Nice. Getting back to this process, what would you say is the end-to-end experience from someone who's engaging your services to, here we got a wardrobe? Is two it, days. Two, oh, wow. Okay. So you two are days. Able I'm to, fast. Okay. So yeah. you are able to pull that. Oh, and, two and, days. Two it. days. Two intense full days? Oh, uh, no. Just actually, two... it's one day me scouting because I know product. I Like I said before, I know product. I 
make sure to, um, I don't buy, I shop, I touch, I see, I understand. So like I said, from Bloomingdale's down to Soho, I know product. From there, I do my scouting and then I know my prices. And then the next day, the person that I'm working with comes in and tries on what I pulled and that's it, we're done. And what are your expectations of your clients and what should their expectations of you be? I just want them to be respectful of my time and refer me is basically really your only as good as your last referral. Mm -hmm. So I have no expectations from them because I just want to get to know them and create a bond and have them be happy. And I know if I get a text within the next a week or so, I've done a good job. Well, you must be doing something right because uh, no website. No website. No social media presence. No LinkedIn. Nothing. Nothing. No. So it's been all... <laughs> I'm, I really, on yeah. a one-to-one, I'm very comfortable. Yeah. But otherwise, i kind of shy. <laughs> wow. I'm humbled that you've come on today. I really, I appreciate that. I know that uh, I've got to assume a lot of people that are listening to this right now are learning and probably taking notes. And if they're not, they should. A, a lot of takeaways here. How does someone get in touch with you then? Are we allowed to? Can I put it in the show notes? Please. Yeah. Okay. So They I'll, can I'll, contact me by phone or by my email. Okay. So I, I will. I'll put that in the show notes so people can, can reach out to you to try to book something. How much time in advance do they need? Do you need, I should say? Usually depends. A week is usually gives me enough time. Do you have any questions for me? I've been dominating this conversation. If there's anything in particular that you might have for me. Well, what's your takeaway on this? Do you feel that in your lifetime and your career, having certain clothes would have given you more confidence or? The short answer is probably you know, you're judged, you know, so control that control at least what people are thinking of you. So you at least have that opportunity to engage in somebody uh, and then let them make their own decision, whether it's a facade or maybe there's even more behind that. The difference between uh, getting a job or even getting an interview sometimes is that appearance. I know that you were telling me about your son, you know, his experience that really does make a difference. So what you charge, which I'm sure is not cheap, but I think that it's just about how people perceive they're being cheap by not engaging your services for what that return can be, you know, whether it's that job that they want or whether it is that significant other that they want that maybe that they can get on their own if they're looking good, feeling good, presenting a certain way as opposed to going on Tinder. That's my long answer to your short question. No, I appreciate that. I think uh, a lot of people invest so much money in education. It's just basically your last step in an education that's going to take you where you really want to go. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really good point. They spend so much money on an education to learn something or at least to learn how to learn. And that's just a piece of it. You know, not how to get a job, not how to present well, all those other things that are really important and arguably just as important. Well, the sad sad commentary is if you go into a room, nobody knows that you're a genius or you attended MIT or you're from wherever, whatever university, just by looking at you. So you need to engage that person. And so you need a reason for somebody to want to be attracted to you, to want to engage you. Because most people are not good at networking in the first place. So now, basically polishing the diamond in the rough. Mm. And then, um, you know, they get to talk to you a little bit. And then they get to know, my God, 
uh, you're you're so handsome or you're so articulate and you present yourself self so well but you present the entire package and now you're interested in their brain and you're networking with them and then you're interested in the way they appear so maybe you want to date them it ends up you've covered a lot of territory in a very short time so how many uh, <laughs> wedding photos have you, has been sent your way as a result or at least where you had something to do with their makeover well like i said earlier i'm three for three in the younger generation in the 30 year olds and now i'm working with many friends whose children are getting married so i'm dressing the moms so there's a lot of photos coming in there are awesome. there's a lot of good photos coming <laughs> in I have to that, say. that's great well i really appreciate you coming on the show i uh, encourage everybody who is listening to use that pen also, use your phone to reach out to Meryl. Her contact information will be in the show notes. So thank you very much, Meryl, for joining, and you make it a great day. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you made it through the whole show. It tells me that you found it entertaining and enjoyed the content. In the spirit of helping us continue to provide such great content and amazing guests, we appreciate your participation through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Your support really helps. Also, if you or someone you know is looking for a career change, is building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com. Not only does this platform offer you a plethora of resources, but will walk you through how to expedite the outcomes and the aforementioned goals that you seek. Thanks again for listening. Make it a great day. And remember to always networkwise.